hello. Welcome to week nine of the Fat Medic Podcast. This is your host, Vic, and my co-host, Kiki B. And this week, we are talking about old school traditions and whether or not uh, whether or not they're actually toxic now, I guess, in this new one. Um, the change in culture. The new mm. cultural atmosphere. Yeah. Me Too movement. Me Too? I don't think that even includes the... Partially, maybe, but I think it's just the generational changes that we're seeing. Well, yeah. this, this new PC, more PC culture that we're That, yeah, I kind of agree with. So, see if that's now considered toxic, what we went through, I guess, coming up in the EMS. Okay. So, uh, I guess we want to start with uh, things that are in the news to break yes. down. So, uh, <laughs> I guess, might as well start with the old news, the still news. Oh, with COVID, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a good note, there while cases are rising, there is a new vaccine that has been sent out. I think by Pfizer and Moderna now just got approved by the FDA for distribution. Yeah, they got like I think what was it Moderna has like six million. Uh, they already have ready to do something out. So, yeah. So far, there's only been what one one allergic reaction. So far, and then a few cases of some severe side effects. I don't know if, I don't know how severe on the scale you would consider like getting like, you know, Bell's palsy as a side effect. I think people feel apprehensive about taking it. I know we've been discussing whether or not we're going to take the initial. It's, um, I mean, there's still people out there who aren't going to take it. Like there was was this news, news case in South Jersey, this gym owner who was like defiantly not wearing a mask and was running the gym. It was like, you know, like 50 people in there. No one was wearing a mask and they're all touching exercise equipment. And they're all like, oh, we're going to take the fine and, and you know, I'm not making anybody wear a mask. So do you think they're going to get those people to take the damn vaccine? Yeah, I think every, I think when it comes to the vaccine, what it comes down to is just educating yourself um, from the studies that we've heard. I know they've been posting things on different forums at different workplaces by, um, I guess doctors and other people that have written out the um. So the essentially the vaccine, it's an mRNA, an mRNA vaccine. It's not like a weakened viral host that's being introduced to the body, but it's one of those like the memes are funny. I know everybody jokes around about like how you're gonna react after you get this vaccine. And then take that to light and take it as, as meant to be funny. But when it really comes down to it, I think it's a personal choice. I think eventually it's going to be rolled out and made mandatory for healthcare workers for now. I know a lot of places are doing it as a voluntary thing. But just it's education. You know, if you understand how the immune system works and how vaccines are produced, they come with certain side effects. They try to minimize those. But everybody's body reacts differently when introduced to different hosts. So... Right, you know, I had to educate myself about it, or educate yeah, myself more about it. Yeah, we thought, yeah. You know, and understand it, and, um, you know, but that that's the thing, the key word is, like, education, so. When yeah. You know, there are some people who refuse to educate themselves, and some people who decide they're going to get their education from posts on Facebook, you know, so. Yes, Facebook is not a main source for you to get any of news, that you feel is going to be accurate at all. You know, everything needs oh, but, to be checked. And... I mean, let's be real. Those people who do get it from that, like, they're, they're not they're not the people who want to take the vaccine yeah, in the first place. So, like, you know, you know, let's say Bob. I'll, I'll use a stereotypical name. <laughs> Bob <laughs> who works at, um, Bob who works at some hardwood store in, um, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. 
or some shit. Thinks that the government really wants to microchip his ass and is really interested in what the hell he's doing. You know, no Bob, they don't want to know that you eat a barbecue <laughs> cheeseburger every Friday. Your cholesterol is high and, you know, you know, you and your wife argue about fucking finances every other week, you know? They, they're not interested in that. They're not interested in microchipping that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny, but I know the bigger concern was how quickly the vaccine it came out. And I think um, when you look at how, so initially, once the research is done, the clinical, certain amount of clinical trials have to be met. Once those clinical trials are met, a lot of times things get hung up in legislation and legality issues. So a lot of it has to be, the FDA has like a whole bunch of boxes that have to be approved. Then it has to go through all the politics about everything. And a lot of that red tape just delays processes. So something that can be completely figured out and researched and done within like, you know, six months to a year waits and hangs around for like another year or two after it's going through all of the legal issues and everything to stamp its approval essentially. And so this got rushed ahead due to it being such a major pandemic and them trying to find some sources to minimize things for hopefully this upcoming year, which will be better. So all I'm saying is just <clears throat> research, research about it read about it actually read about it like scholarly articles yeah and, and make an educated decision and, for and yourself make an educated so. decision on whether you're going to take it um and me who someone like me who's really cynical about the world mm -hmm. like do i think like the governments and everyone are like i think the scientists and the doctors are doing it out of the kindness and trying to you know kind of save humanity from ourselves but i think the governments are just out because they need a workforce. Yeah. And by and large, this this <clears throat> virus has affected and killed more um, per capita black and brown people than anyone. And black and brown people happen to be the main source of the working the class and workforce, working yeah. poor workforce, you know? So you don't want to kill true. off your workforce, you know? So if you're cynical like me, that's a pretty good reason for them to come up with a vaccine that's not going to do that. You yeah. Um, so that, that that's me. I'm just a cynic. Like I said, educate <laughs> yourself, but I'm cynical as hell. So. And I um, see it on both ends, yeah. So moving on to the next um, subject. Two EMS crews got robbed in New York. Should we put this on like it was an actual news briefing? I mean, two separate EMS like, crews about it in the New York City area were robbed oh, no, while no, no, responding not, to... No, no, that's not <laughs> No, no, people people care about it for like five minutes. I think yeah, that's public. EMS though. We're we're the shit under the stick. They're like, oh, that was fucked up. I can't believe that happened. Oh, oh the, look the at work this. Is different though, according to the New York City mayor. Yeah, fuck the Blasio. Not officially but, saying yeah, that he the, can the go work fuck is himself. Different. Yeah, the work is different apparently. Yeah, so, so please be careful because yeah, apparently in two separate occasions, false calls were made. The crews responded and were met with guns. I don't know if it was by a single person or like a group of people. I think the, the second case it was a single person. Like they had gotten off the elevator and guy the held, held them up like at gunpoint and, and pressed all the buttons so they can you know chase after them. Which yeah, by all means, don't chase after them. I'm like, you know, if someone robs me of my equipment, I'm like, fuck it, it's not mine. Like, yeah, you know? I'm just wondering if people are getting to the point where they're either either it's desperation. Or just idiocracy or people are starting to realize that, you know, some medical personnel do carry narcotics on them. That could be a possibility. We don't know for sure. 
But oh, I'm a big proponent of. I don't even think we need to be carrying narcotics on us. In very rare instances, I don't think we should have on our person. Yeah. And you have to like emergently give someone um, opiate relief. You know. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, I think you can wait until you get to the unit. I think there's very few instances where you need to break it out. You know. Um, but I mean, some people, especially frequent flyers, they, they might know be getting that. Narcan, yeah, or things you like know, that. They might you be just... passing it on. You know. Um, apparently that radios and, and tough book was stolen, which I guess you can resell, you know, I know my tough book probably going to be resold because my tough book was always, always a piece of shit. So yeah. Or they break them down for parts. Who knows? But now with everything that's going on, people, people are getting desperate. People are stealing hygienical products and food from stores and you know, there are people, you know, society breaks down and results to survival. Yeah, so the federal government still refuses to financially help. With yeah. money that we've paid into the government, our own tax dollars. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Like they'll try to convince you, like, oh, we don't have money for this. Well, what about the fucking money you take from us every year? I know I haven't got taxed less than ten thousand dollars since I don't <laughs> since I became a paramedic at least. Fourth school and seven moons ago. <laughs> ten years, ten ten years, almost ten years ago. Yeah, it's been a I've while. I've never been taxed less than ten thousand dollars. You know. Yeah. Oh, and then um, the the more heated topic, the one that really pissed me off for the week was the the paramedic that worked in New York City who apparently through the grapevine or through some some tip off was found to have had an OnlyFans page that she was operating on the side to make extra money aside from her job and got blasted by the New York Post over it. And I know a lot of people have been. Oh, I mean, whew, blasted might be not might not even be a full extent. Dragged, just ridiculed, shamed. Like it's just. It's, it's like some scarlet letter type shit. You know? Yeah, I think when we first did, I was really heated about I mean, the it. Way they, so. The way they wrote it in the story was like, oh, look at this whore. Like, yeah, essentially, and that. So my bigger issue was: would she have gotten the same treatment had she had been a man? Number one, which you know is a bunch of bullshit, because I felt like it was a prime opportunity not only to slander first responder, but then on top of that, like to just completely degrade her as a woman and as a professional. Which, as women, we already know this particular type of workforce is really hard. We're expected to. <laughs> You know, a lot of people expect us to, like, pull our weight and so forth and so on. And it's already a field that was mostly male-dominated. So to be a strong woman and to be a paramedic. And she had to quit her job and work, what, nursing, I think we read on the article? Well, to put no, herself no, through, no, through um, to, hosting and waitressing. Which is, says something, is the fact that as an EMT, you can't financially support yourself through paramedic school. Yeah, you have to go back to working as a as a waitress in order to make enough money to put yourself through paramedic school, or have a have, you know have an incentive to as you're progressing yourself within a field to even partially con- cover. Like I don't know the full circumstances. Like, supposedly it was supposedly someone she knew or like a coworker or something, worked through the grapevines who um 
who outed her, I guess, for, like, yeah. papers. And so, if it was, you can go I'll fuck you, yourself. I'll give you, like, two guesses, like, what type of... What type exactly. Of you know, probably some sad individual that found her on OnlyFans or had a crush on her or whatever yeah. the case was. They couldn't up. smash her, and then she either turned him down or didn't pay any attention to him, so he got all in his fucking feelings being emotional and was like, oh, oh, let me go, let me go wrap this out. And shame on the New York Post. Who, out of her name, who she gave an interview to under the guy. Under different pretenses, yeah. Anonymous, right? when, yeah. She didn't find out, but she, she was like, okay, well, I'll give you, I'll reply to the story, but I want to be anonymous, you know? Um, what I also think is kind of ridiculous is that someone needs to do that in order to survive, you know, like you're a medical professional. Um, in a lot of cases, in a lot of places in this country, you're getting a degree mm-hmm. with your paramedic certification, and that you're forced to do something. Not that it's a not that it's a bad thing, but that you're forced to do something like this in order to make extra money. Did we even have to as in the compared first place? To, as compared to working like 40, 60 hours of overtime, like a lot of us do, you know. Um, I don't see anything wrong with honestly I'm 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 gonna put that out there. I'm pro sex work like a motherfucker. Like if 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 it's not like a pimping situation and you're a legal mature adult and you wanna get into OnlyFans or any other thing, right? Even escorting or something like that, I don't see anything wrong with it. Other parts of the world is regulated. Yeah. And you know, so I'm like, you know, I think it's ridiculous. It's like we're really going to shame something when the fucking porn industry makes billions of dollars a year off of sex. And then God forbid a woman takes control of her body and wants to make money off of that. And then you're seriously going to have a problem with that. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure some ladies out there have had a couple of cell phone bills paid. You know, but I mean, but it's not even just toward women. It's just like, it's degrading toward women to assume that that's what we have to belittle. And it's not even belittling. Like, I just, just it just disgusts me. I just find it confusing, like, some uh, some women, sorry, I don't want want to say females, because it's kind of degrading, but some women came out against her. um, Yeah, whose husbands probably sit there and watch OnlyFans pages behind their backs, you know, so it's just... You know, the, that's, that's it's like the pot calling day. the kettle black. It's that's one a, of those. That's an issue for another day. Yeah, and for me, quite frankly, I'm just a big fan of just mind your fucking business, honestly. Because if it doesn't affect you or the people around you, then what somebody else does in their personal time, if you're not going to pay their bills and you're not going to help them out, then it shouldn't be any of your business, you well, know? So, I mean, supposedly she did it because she had a sick father that she did. Yeah. Her, which is, I mean, it shouldn't matter why she did it, if, even if she just wanted to make extra money. Yeah, be, even if she wants, it's her personal to business and like it's her she's, off she's time. She's doing this to take care of like a sick parent because she has to take care of a sick parent so she can't work the 40 to, you know, 60 hours of overtime, a paycheck that a lot of us do. You know? I personally that's would a normal thing put up an OnlyFans page, but I'm a dedicated but, but person who who is loved and yeah, my partner loved. doesn't approve. So, you know, out of respect, I, I, I'm, in general, in I'm not going to have him. In principle, I approve. <laughs> But I I feel like, you know, EMS already, we deal with a lot of mental health issues. We deal with the low pay. We deal with the violence and everything on top of that. So to to sit here and shame her for making her way through however she needs to through her life 
it's it's absolutely repulsive and shame and fuck the post because you sat there and well you were talking about it last time and they were sitting there congratulating for you know frontline workers and all this stuff and praising ms for all their hard work and they were like oh oh look at what she's doing all of that is bullshit now that heroes were kid bullshit I swear, it makes me want to throw up every time I see a song. We were like, hey, we need PPE. We're dying out here. Here's a flyover. Yeah. and Hey, we need hazard pay. If you want to make us work, we need hazard pay because we didn't get into this to sacrifice our lives. Here's a flyover. And here's a sign. Heroes work can't. Here's some pizza. You know? I will have to admit, there have been certain hospital groups here that have really stepped up with trying to take care of their employees as best as possible. And then you have others who are just kind of like, oh, here's some cold pizza. You know, sorry, we couldn't do this. Oh, you know, whatever the case is. I mean, we have, yeah, we, we've like, worked both, like, so we've seen the, the bad difference. Minimum, can you at least act like you care about our lives? And they're like, ah. Yeah, so. <laughs> There's some Burger King coupons. Kudos to her. I'm not going to mention names because she wanted to be anonymous in the first place. And I hope in well, retaliation, we all get OnlyFans uh, pages. Because she came back and defended and herself defended, as she needed defended to. Defended herself quite well. And put the onus on the fact that we aren't paid enough as EMS workers for what we go through. Yeah, and, and highlighted um, the mental health the, that people go with. Alexandria Ocasa Ortiz. Yes. Who, came out in support of her and you know kind of redirected it to the fact that we aren't paid enough. yeah the question should be why would she need to do this to make ends meet and she's a medical professional exactly thank you all right especially you know we're dying out here yeah <laughs> that's, that's like that's real that's real facts out here. we die out here you know doctors are dying out here doctors who are who who know that they're immunocompromised i think there was a doctor in northern new jersey i think in burton county who had a history of cancer, survived it, knew he was immunocompromised, still treated, still worked in the ICU, still treated the sick instead of sick with COVID, ended up catching COVID himself and ended up succumbing to it. You know, that's that's above and beyond. Yeah. Above and beyond to me. So, so thank you guys for everybody that goes out to work, whether you want to or not, to make ends meet, to had, feed your families. If I had the dough, y'all would all be getting raises. Yeah. Know, shout out to the fellow frontline healthcare workers, not only healthcare workers but the but the other staff. All the hospital staff, yeah. Even the environmental people that clean. Yeah. Oh God, the like shout out to the environmental people. We need to get that out the way right now because yeah, like, if you see them, seriously, it would grind to a halt without them. You know, mm-hmm. like they're going into the same environments, risking their lives. You know, just like and the hospital would literally grind to a halt. Could you imagine if a nurse had to clean up vomit? Yeah, or after clean up after COVID rooms, like you're going into a room that you know had a COVID patient in there, you know, especially if they just died, and then you have to gear up and clean the rooms and stuff like that, and then go to the next room, and it's just you know they have to worry about their families too. And I'm sure it's exhausting having to do that all day. All day, yeah. Like you have to go outside in the freezing cold just to get a breath of fresh air. Yeah. You know. All right, so. Coming up on our main topic is old school, or our old school ways now considered toxic. And <laughs> I mean, I have, I have some interesting thoughts on this, but okay. I'll wait until after the interview. We we actually interviewed a friend of ours and a fellow uh, EMS worker. Our first uh, interview the, from no, Detroit. 
Our mm-hmm. second interview, yeah, our second but live awesome. interview. We're so excited. So it's D Torres. Right. And a fellow EMS working in you know, she has some interesting comments, especially about when she came into EMS and uh, when she came into one of our urban jobs and um it, it kinda opened my eyes a little bit, I'm not gonna lie, because yeah. I was I'm of a certain mindset, you know. But um it definitely opened my eyes to some things. But uh, you know, we're gonna let you listen to the interview. And we'll be right back. Yeah, so I guess I'll start this like a, an interview for you and just, you know, so as far as like what got you into EMS in the first place? So I've always lived in Jersey City, um, besides the time that I spent in Hoboken, and I've always lived across the street from like firefighters or like a police station. And I would always see like the the Jersey City Medical Center, like those old box trucks go by the house. And they were always responding to a call. And I'm like, yo, that looks so dope. Um, So as I got older, I was interested, but I was scared. I I didn't didn't feel like it was for me. So I felt like I should do something prior to it. So I jumped into uh, United Rescue. And, you know, that's just the people that EMRs. Yeah, so I did United Rescue first, took the course, and I'm like, yo, I really like this. I think I could actually get paid for this because the whole volunteer stick, you can only do that but for so much. <laughs> yeah. So Josh was like, yeah, I mean, you don't, I mean, I don't think there should be volunteer services for the most part, but that's just my opinion. Um, after that, Josh was like, hey, you know, we have a program at the hospital, and since you already work here, just take it. Well, I bet I took it. I liked it. I had a decent instructor who's no longer there, but he was a good instructor. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? If they hired me from here, I'll do it. Got got in and I ended up actually loving it. I love what I do. I don't love the way we're treated for the most part or the pay, but I love the people I work with. And I actually love overall my like the job that I do there. Yeah, I, I noticed when we had the um, the comment post up about mentorship and you were talking about your partner, and I think that's important too, is having a strong partner that's not only competent, but somebody that kind of takes you under their wing and like shows you the ropes of how EMS works, how to handle calls, and you can kind of balance off of their experience, especially coming into this field being right. new, it's really comforting and to know to know that your partner is always going to have your back and they kind of teach you all the things that you don't learn textbook wise to build your own experience up. And then you kind of pass that along to other people that are coming into EMS, which is nice. Right. I, I, I'm grateful. And I was actually um, lucky that I had him because we all know the, the temperament in EMS and how if you're, if you're the new person, they don't give a shit about you. But the Pretty most much, part yeah. is like, do what you do, figure it yeah. out. You know, you figure it out, you fail. That's your problem. But yeah, yeah it's like you know, the first like, six months. You know, you're a you're a new guy. Nobody learns your name. Yeah, I kind of started with that. Yeah, no, nope, but I I do not like that. I feel like that's like the worst environment to be in, and and EMS can be toxic when it comes to that. Like, yeah. I never understood why if you're new, you got to be treated like that. It's just weird. I don't know. I think but, like old school EMS the way we used to be because I went through more of like a sink or swim and I had a few people that kind of guided you through but for the most part I came into a system where you kept your head down you didn't say anything you know you kind of took orders and then as you 
build that rapport with people, then they start letting you in. Which I guess goes. Yeah, but I, I just feel like that breeds such hostility after a while because it's like, it, it's twenty twenty. It, bad enough with mental health people are like anti-social they're distant they're depressed the last thing you want to do is come into work and you, you don't you don't know why your co-workers aren't talking to you and it's just because they have an old school mentality i feel like that's something that should change in the future or like now just so we don't foster more salty ass people in ems very true yeah i gotta i gotta actually i gotta agree with that i'm i'm in the wrong in this one yeah. Just because I guess it was because how I came in, like you said, it was a sink or swim mentality. And you just kind of keep that with you, like, you know, because not a lot of people survive in this. Right. I just thought, like, you know, getting to know somebody for three months and then they decide, oh, I can't do this and walk away. You know, I, I want them right. to do themselves for six months. But I never looked at it from that point of view. Like, if you're brand new to the field, you don't want to get shitted on for six months. And then, yeah, you know, you don't really have the experience of knowing how how to work yourself into a system that's already yeah. brutal. That's very true. I mean, luckily, like like Keys was saying, like you said, you had like a, a great partner who showed you the ropes, who uh, like, he was one of the EMTs. I'm like, you know, I want him on a badass call, you know? Very true. Right. So how's it? I got lucky. Hmm? How's my experience? Uh, you're cutting out. Oh, how's your um, experience at the MC been like from <laughs> when you started to now? Well, I started back in 2011 working at the medical center. And we were still under like Liberty Health, like that old, old company. Yeah, old as. And the environment was, yeah, it, Liberty Health was a long time ago. It was, it was a pretty chillax kind of environment. And then, you know, when Barnabas took over and Robert Wood, it became more corporate, more like you have to assimilate kind of thing. Uh, but I, I don't have too many complaints in the EMS side because I typically go in, I do what I'm supposed to do. I don't romanticize my job. I don't romanticize where I work. Just go in, do what I got to do when I go home for the most part. Right. Um, that being said, there's things that could change that should change. But I feel like since we're not like in a collective agreement with certain things that we're always going to be like on the opposite sides of the railroad tracks when it comes to like management and, and corporate but we have room for improvement. That's a very diplomatic yeah. answer. That's a diplomatic that. answer. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> that's a very diplomatic Listen, answer. I'm optimistic. Uh, I'm optimistic. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll keep it optimistic on this one. Just the end of the year, you know, we've been so much shit. Let's keep it optimistic. So, um, like, I know, like, you're a big proponent of uh, mental health and mental health awareness and everything, and uh, which is something, like, I was saying before, like we aren't used to on like EMS, you know? And um, so how's, how's 2020 been for you? I know everybody's mental health has been tested in 2020, but how's it been for you with the pandemic and working and everything? This, this pandemic kind of, uh, surprisingly I was doing well during the beginning of the pandemic because I still had access to certain healthcare forums, you know, like the online um, therapists and all that. But COVID kind of took that away because now the system became too overwhelmed. So I couldn't just hop on a video chat because she had like 50 other clients, you know, wow. that were going through some shit because of COVID and they were home and they couldn't do nothing. Um, and, and with my diagnosis, it's like I constantly need some someone to speak to 
mm-hmm. and I haven't had access to that. But I feel better that at least at work, I know there's at least 40 other employees are going through the same shit that I'm going through and I could just kind of bounce off ideas and problems with them. But it's, it's, it's been rough. I don't know how I've been surviving without like meds or without my therapist, but I'm doing it. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's what I've noticed a lot too, with just conversations that we have with people at work is that I think everybody feels like they're isolated in their own little bubbles where they don't realize like there are other people at work that are feeling almost the exact same way they are. And I notice when people write things on social media, how gravitating it is that a lot of people jump in on the comments and they're like I've been going through the same thing and this and that and I'm hoping people get in touch with each other and that way it's nice to know that you're not alone and how you you know the things that are going on in your head and the things you're trying to deal with there are other people that are dealing with things very similar to that so we can kind of you know kind of mesh together and help each other through stuff so I mean so what if you like if you're not able to talk with someone or, um, you know, you have uh, off days and, uh, you know, you start to get stressed out. Are there any, any things that you do to kind of, like, mitigate that, to kind of de-stress? So, for me, I'm a big gamer. If if I can't game, I that's when I kind of get to the point where I'm like, oh, shit, I'm fucking up right now. I'm going in a downward spiral. But gaming is a big thing for me. If I can't do it on my phone, it's on my computer. If it's not my Xbox that's the only way I de-stress because it kind of distracts me from life. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have to think about issues and stuff like that. Work is another distraction. Believe it or not, I go to work, other people's problems. I'm like, I'm focusing on their issues and that just kind of clears my mind. That's fucked up to say, but sometimes like you go to a cardiac arrest and you're so focused on compressions and shit, you can't think of anything else. And that takes like a good chunk of time out of you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, man, uh, so you've been working at the medical center since like 2011, and I know, um, I know we lost like a lot of frequent flyers, and like just in the last two years, you know. So, um, are, are there any other frequent flyers that you miss? No. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a single one that I miss. Absolutely not. Listen, it's like I don't care if they call. I have no issues with. I'm calling five million times. I just care about them being respectful. Like when you get that nasty ass freaking flyer that's, you know, shitting on themselves and calling you a cunt and all that, mm. that gets tiring after a while. Like, you know, and you really have to bite your tongue in EMS because we can't just sit there and, and punch people in the eye and choke them. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, not that I'm yeah, calling I know anyone out. <laughs> <laughs> I think people are all at that breaking point. Yeah, I get that too. Because I know that, especially doing BLS, because we do handle a lot of those calls. It sometimes it does. It gets really mentally exhausting coming into work and out of the like 12 or 13 jobs you've run, you know, eight of them are like regulars. And then we have particular people at night that are just miserable to deal with. And so it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make the day any easier. It just adds more frustration mentally. And sometimes you just look and you just, uh, why are you here? You know, and it's, so I get that. Yeah, it does kind of drag on. Yeah. No, especially when you have that one frequent flyer that you know, it's going to cause trouble. And as soon as like the, the, the call comes up on the CAD, 
you're like fucking rolling your eyes, you're cursing, you're like, oh, my God, this person again, damn. And yeah. then when you get there, they're usually pissy, shitty. <laughs> I'm like, oh, come on, man. Or oh, in the case of uh, a case of Jimmy trying to offer you pizza. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Going through his mood swings, and then I, I always have to sit back and, like, for some of our regulars, I notice like they're probably going through their own things to to an extent. But then it's just you know, it's like this vicious cycle we play over and over again. And so, yeah, I know the last time, nah, nah. Well, it's not a vicious. Cycle. No, no, no. What, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, like, I learned the game from like the, the one dude, Jimmy. Like, he keeps writing these letters, like, you know, thank you for all. This. And then, and then I show up, and it's like, f you and. <laughs> You know, take me to the hospital because they got graham crackers and shit. And the hospital just lets it's them. Funny. I know exactly what you're talking about, too. I've gotten a few letters uh, from, from one particular person. Because, you know, he calls every day at the same time for the yes. same shit. It doesn't change. And he writes me He writes me letters like, I love you. You're an angel from above. And I'm like, bro, but why is it that when I go and pick you up, you're like in a badass mood? <laughs> I have no issues taking you to the hospital because that kills time, you know? That's like a good 40 minutes out of your day taken out for one person, but mm. can uh. you at least be nice? Shit. Yeah. No, we did silent treatment the other day because we picked up one of our regulars and he's usually always nasty to like particular people. So that night we just played silent treatment all the way to the hospital and it's just funny because <laughs> his old demeanor changed. He's like, well, I'm just going to I'll just sit here and be quiet. I was like, okay, that's nice. We can play that game. And then it's just, you know, because sometimes you have to just just find a breaking point where I'm like, look, we're not going to argue with each other. We're not going to have this back and forth. You just going to sit there. I'm going to respectfully sit here. We're going to just do our thing, take you to the hospital. You can yell at the nurses when we get oh. there. I just, I don't want to deal with that. Uh, right you're supposed to, you, sometimes you're the only entertainment for like the day. Like, and you're I the think only that's, person yeah, you talk to. Yeah, you know, so. Like, I, I get it. Like, they're homeless. They're battling addiction. Some of them have mental health issues. Like, I get it. I understand. I empathize. I, I feel bad. But there comes a point where you tell them, like, listen, these are the services available to you. This is how you get help. And they don't want help. And you're like, oh, come on. I'm just, this cycle is going to continue until the day they die. But these these dudes are, like, indestructible. They're, like, immune to COVID. <laughs> They're like um, they're like all types of diseases and they just live forever. It's wild. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Oh my goodness. So, I mean, what are your plans for like your future in EMS? Are you going to continue to work as EMT? Do you want to upgrade or, or do you want to get like get out? Um, I got to be realistic. I can't be on the truck forever. I mean, my knees are already killing me and I'm only 30. Yeah. Saying. <laughs> <laughs> So I can't, I eventually probably going to do medic, but what I really want to do is teach. Teaching is like my, my passion. I have patience for it. Um, I think that's something I'm going to go into. And I got to admit the medical center, even though a lot of people talk shit, they offer a lot of free classes for us right. and a lot of opportunities to upgrade. So I'm not going to bite the hand that feeds me. I'm going to take what I can use the opportunities and just, you know, level up. I like that. So you want to teach EMS too, or get into teaching something else? Um, I'm teaching EMS. I, I like I like uh, what I've seen so far from the instructors. I mean, we have some amazing instructors in um in Robert Wood. Some amazing instructors that I've seen, and I've learned some things 
I, I want to be a part of that one day. Not no time soon, because I feel like once I hit the point where I can't physically do my job, uh, yeah, I'll transfer over. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to lie. This has been like a, a breath of fresh air for me, like the interview. Like, you're a really optimistic person. And um, I didn't I, I didn't realize, like, how sometimes you need that around, like, at the job. Because a lot of times we, like, feed into each other's misery. Like, you come in saying, fuck this job. And then your partner saying, fuck this job. And then y'all team up and y'all both say, fuck this job. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's a breath of fresh air. It's somebody who's, like, optimistic about the future, you know? Yeah. But where are we going to get funny memes? I try. I appreciate it. <laughs> But you know what's crazy, bro? When I first started, people were trying to bring that down for me. Like, literally, as soon as, like, the first day I transferred over to EMS, they're like, oh, don't worry. In a year, you're going to change. Oh, in a year, you're going to be miserable. I, listen, that's that's you. That's your life. You want to be miserable? I don't care. Go ahead. But don't don't spread your misery to, like, the entire department, bro. That's why we, we can't have nice things yeah. at the MC, because just people walk around being angry all the time. But I think that is the whole toxic environment of EMS though. You know, it's because like because like even when I first got into EMS, I was all excited and I wanted to learn things, and then it's like you get dampered down, and it's not even the calls and the job itself, it's the <clears throat> the companies you work for, the way you see people get treated, and then right. you know, people that are really amazing EMTs and medics get completely tossed aside. Yeah. Over over the years, and then you're just like, why am I still doing this? Oh, I've seen it. Hmm? I have seen it. Yeah, but I think we all have yeah. seen. Yeah, and you come in, and then people are upset, or something happens, and then you add that to like your personal life and your family life, and bad calls you run over the years, and it just kind of keeps building and building. And the best thing, you know, they're like, oh, great job! Here's a free pizza for you, and you're just like, are you serious? And yeah, then, yeah. well, you know, but I mean, it's oh, my favorite. Um, Strong work. Here's a fucking post on workplace. <laughs> yeah, here's a box of mints and gum for EMS week. Hope you guys enjoyed that. You know? Yo, what, oh, first of all, we got a flyover. We got two flyovers this year. All right, don't discredit that. We got two fucking flyovers. <laughs> yeah, a flyover that only three people saw because we were all yeah. working. Why don't you that? I see shit. <laughs> you know, your night shift people are sleeping and daytime people are busy running calls. So who really enjoyed that? You know, so and I mean, I I appreciate. Uh, trying but i feel like we keep voicing things that we want to change and things to make the department better and they keep getting pushed alongside because it's not as important you know and it does kind of damper into right. mentally and then you come to work and you get you know 10 people that all feel the same way and we get the environment that we have right now so we, let, let me tell you the morale is at an all-time low I, maybe it's just me but I feel like people are just coming into work at this point because they got to get paid and they got birds to feed and dogs to feed. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I understand from a corporate standpoint, because before you guys tra transitioned, the EMSI transitioned to corporate, the hospital, we were kind of were already in it. So right. I understand. Like our upper management, they got people they have to respond to. They can't just snap their fingers and do shit for us. They have to go through like six other representatives to even yeah. get an okay so I understand it, but, I don't know. yeah maybe maybe I'm giving them too much credit <clears throat> then we have a shitty union 
yeah uh, and there's there have been yeah that's a whole different there have been efforts yeah. to try to make that better and that just keeps like, getting hitting walls people in the people in the hospital they don't give a fuck if we get a, a meal break on the street like, yeah you know so i think hopefully meal break what is that yeah it's like the five minutes you get to shove something in your mouth and then get heartburn yeah but i do get the perspective <laughs> You know, you do make what you what your day out of how your your attitude is when you come in, you know, so it's one of those and like pairing up with people that, you know, you can have a good 12 hour shift with and, you know, because misery does love company. So it's one of those like, you know, God, that is so important. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you gotta have a good partner for twelve hours on a truck, yeah, and, and you, on a city truck, and you're sitting in a truck all day. Yeah. yeah, you make it fun for yourselves, whatever you can do, you know, and then hopefully it kind of spreads. Like I love when Dana comes in because he's always like super chippy and nice and smiling. And even if it's not lasting the whole day, it's nice to come in to like, hey, you know, how are you doing? Good morning, you know. But yeah, it's that is an environment that does need to change. I will agree there. I, 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 I definitely am like that. Like, I'll say hi to people, but then I started learning that most people are just, you know, miserable. So they don't yeah. respond. And I'm like, all right, fuck you. I'll say hi to the next person. <laughs> respond to me, whatever. Yeah. Don't stop being you because it's nice. Like the other night with the peacock. That was funny coming into work, you yeah, know? Don't, don't, like, don't stop me. Like I said, like, I, I. Oh my God, the peacock story. <laughs> Jesus, that was oh, um, like yeah, when you posted on Facebook, I was like, "Yo, there's a random ass peacock <laughs> in Jersey." I was like, "I don't know peacock is that." And like, like when you when you said like I had to Google to see if like peacocks are near Jersey, that's like shit. Let me Google and see if peacocks near the Jersey. Like, it's like I don't know why would one <laughs> running around <laughs> in the middle of Jersey City. Up that it was by the old um the old path mark. It's crazy because we're in the truck heading back to the station. And I'm like, yo, Mark, pull over. There's a peacock, a white peacock. And he's like, he already thinks I'm crazy. So now he thinks I'm hallucinating. He's like, oh, she wants to He's like, oh, he's like, don't start your shit. And I'm like, no, pull over. There's a fucking peacock. And then we come up the, the, the truck and there's a peacock underneath our truck. Like he was hiding in between the wheel. And I'm like, he's like, I got to move the truck. And I'm like, you're going to run that shit over. It's underneath the wheel. So we spent 20 minutes trying to catch this. And one of the new medics, um, She's really cool. I like her. She just like finished FTEP and she's like, I'm going to help you catch it. So here we are, six EMTs and a medic running with a fucking white sheet from the hospital trying to catch this wild peacock. We look like a bunch of crackheads. It was the funniest <laughs> shit ever. Funniest shit ever. And I, I go over the radio and I'm like, uh, dispatch, can we get radio and animal control? There's a, a white peacock underneath our truck. And dispatch didn't even question it. They're like, oh, yeah, sure, okay. That's what you get working in the city. I love that. I love that. But it was fun. And then we get back to the station. And of course, here come the miserable people. They're like, oh, why'd you bring that dirty creature? I'm like, bro, enjoy the moment. It's a uh, peacock. Real, it's a peacock, yo. Because we were in the truck and they're like, somebody brought a peacock. I was like, are you serious? I was like, what? Well, now I got to see this peacock. I got to yeah. go see this peacock. It's not like it's one of the dirty-ass pigeons that be hanging out on the station. Look, I'm, 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 I'm not going to lie. I got I got used to the pigeons. The pigeons are kind of cute to hang out on the station. But, you know, it's like, bro, don't yo, you? Yo, those pigeons I'm make better partners than those people. Like, I, got, I, I think they get it. I ain't going to lie. I don't know where a peacock 
came from in the station. Because now I gotta hear the story. <laughs> Yo, uh, first of all, the people next door own the Peacock, the, the mechanic shop. Oh. They own it, and apparently they're like breeding wild exotic creatures in their freaking backyard. Yeah, I'm not even gonna lie. I thought they was like cockfighting over there. I thought they had like. They used to. They used to a couple years ago. Um, they got in trouble for it. They were they were cockfighting in the back. Oh wow! Man. That's a whole. That's a story for a different day. Those yeah. dudes used to do some wild shit. They used to have goats and like do satanic rituals. I think. God, I know they. I know you do some some wild shit over there. What do they look at you when you get off your car? <laughs> like, <laughs> I never see y'all motherfuckers working on a car, but it's always like eighty y'all. No, <laughs> I was just saying that to my partner. I'm like, I have never seen them fix a car ever. <laughs> I see a whole bunch of vehicles, but no. No fixed cars. The same car you've seen for the past ten years. They're like all be sitting around the table, just staring at you and shit. Like, what you looking at? I'm like, they're like, damn, I know, I never seen them actually fix anybody's car before. No, nope. like, that's just drug farming. <laughs> that's, no, that's a, that's just a show. They're using the exotic animals to like bring drugs in and out. I'm telling you, I, I feel like that's what's going on. We done but, built a movie of the week and shit. <laughs> That 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 was a good day. That peacock like really made the night because we were all having like a, a tough day. It was it was a tough day, but that peacock, I'm pretty sure they ate it and they like cooked it or something. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, so we wanna uh on that note, we're gonna finish with a good note and pretend that they we're gonna hope that they didn't eat the damn peacock. I'm hoping it's uh, no, oh, peacocks don't fly. Shit, hoping it's running around somewhere. They do fly. This one flew. This one flew. Peacocks fly. It shit. flew. It flew right know. on my head. So you learn something new every day. So mm -hmm. on that note, we're going to be hopeful that the peacock is still flying around somewhere, and the we want to thank you for being on the show. No problem. You're welcome. Um, like I said, it was it was actually like you know it was a breath of fresh air, like the optimism and and hearing from your point of view. So I definitely want to thank you for that. Welcome, you're welcome. And, um, like, yeah, we'll definitely have you back on that. But uh, as always, continue to be safe, uh, especially out here with the cases rising and everything. Yes, please. Thanks. I will. You too. Have fun, whatever it is you're at right now. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Thank you. And we are back. Well, hello. So, uh, so what did you learn from everything? Um, well, thank you, Dee, because I thought it was a really good interview. Um, I didn't know that much about her, which was really cool. So that was nice to learn. But I do I do agree that we we were kind of shitty. Like, if I really think back, so when I came in, I came in that sink and swim mentality. But at the same time, like, people, people understood you were brand new. So I was allowed to make mistakes. I was allowed to, like kind of lead on some calls where I felt like I knew what I was doing. But then I, I learned a lot of stuff from people that had more experience and I took that to heart. But I do find a lot of times, I don't know if it's a generation thing where people come oh, in and they're- Maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe it's a, a personality thing. Like I, it definitely one of my eyes, like maybe we do need to treat the, well, not maybe. We're we treating treat newer people new more people welcoming. Or oh, well, at least we need to let them air it out a little bit. Yeah. Like get to know them for like that first week, find out whether or not they're fuck up or whether they're competent before we 
No, it's not even that. But I think no, but, being nice, but then everybody's going to section them. Yeah, you know, like, you like, build your I reputation. Know, I don't know. I came up old school. So it was like you were the fucking new guy, the FNG, for, like, six months. Like, no one, like, prove that you're going to stick around. Be here for six months, and then we'll learn your name, you know? That's true. So, <laughs> this is something that endears me to that culture, I guess. Um, <laughs> like I said, I came up old school. All my mentors are old school. And yeah. I don't know. I just, but I, I think she does make a very good point that maybe we need to stop eating our own a little bit and be more welcoming and open armed. I think um, it's always good to take somebody under your wing and show them the experience side. Because I remember people were laughing because they're like, oh, they're like showing me my text. They're like, yeah, this is the book you learned through school. And they're like tossing it on the table. It's like, now I'm about to show you how you actually do stuff on the street. And I was like, oh, there's a well, whole different world out there. Well, well, that's the thing is that I went, I went through that new guy stage for like maybe, I would say a, a couple of days here until people knew that I had experience. So, and then it became like a little bit more welcoming and opened arm from that and it became a family thing. Um, I do think this is the kind of field, though, where you need to tell someone, like, hey, you're not, I don't think you're cut out. I do think that's this, a know? definite, yeah, because you either be got it or room, you don't, you know. Earth. At least it be a little bit wrong where you're like, hey, you're not, a, you're not cut out for this shit, bro. You might want to think about, you know, finding a new career path. It's one thing, like, if you're, if you're, if you're eager to learn and you're receptive to information and you get it and you start proving yourself and you gain, I'm not faulting people for not having experience. That's something that you, you by faultly have to put the time in to well, get. It's not having experience, right? And being open-minded to learning. To learning, exactly. And then there's, uh, the, the issue I'm finding with a lot of, well, quote, unquote, new school, the medics is that. It's not being receptive to learning. Is that they think they know everything just because they came to yeah. school. And, and it's like, yo, it's one thing to fuck up and know that you fucked up and be receptive to learning. It's another thing to fuck up and then try to defend yourself like you didn't fuck up. Yeah, and my thing is, like, that's that's the difference. So, like, let's say even with medication or, like, a condition, it's one thing, you know the textbook, you know all the parameters that have to do with something, but to be able to relay that to a patient, explain it to them and treat them and gain their trust, that's experience. And that's where I think people feel like, oh, because I know the book, I know how to, how to do things with patients. But patient care is on a completely different level of reading signs, of making sure your patient understands what you're doing and why, or when they ask you a question, you're not throwing all of these medical terms at them. And at the end of the day, they're more confused than they were before you even got on scene. And it's just, it's those things that I think people need, that that comes with needing to learn and having somebody that's going to show you those ropes. And it's it becomes a safety issue sometimes when you have people that just assume that they know everything and they go and do something. And then you're putting your partner at risk. You're putting yourself at risk because now not only do I have to do my job, I have to come back and make sure you're doing your... And it's just, it turns into conflict sometimes on trucks and... Yeah, um... Well, I mean, I, I've definitely learned from this conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but... I don't know, working with working with a new medic. Like this is the thing, I'm 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 sort of this in between generation. So uh having the book intelligence but also being thrown into the pool with the deep end sink or swim type uh attitude. So I don't really wanna <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I don't I don't really wanna work with new paramedics because it's like it's like they sit there and they they keep um using big words and 
big words with medical terms, and it's like, okay, well, explain to me what that means. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And they can't do it, right? And, and like, not all, but there's a, a prevalence of this arrogance, right? And it, But at the same time, I don't really want to work with, like, you know, fucking real old school medics because they're doing they're shit. they and complaining they doing, doing like, stuff. Yeah, yeah they're like, like archaic methods Right, I'm like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? They're like, oh, I'm going <laughs> to pop this 14-gauge IV in and give them two liters of fluid. Like, no, we, we stopped doing that, like, 10 years ago, bro. Come on, stop. <laughs> you know, you got to, like, yeah. smack them on the hand, you know, like, like their child and shit. But I think what she's talking about, too, is just we just need to be friendlier. Like, when new people come in, you know, instead of the whole, like, nobody really talks to you, you know, you don't feel welcomed and you don't really... It's hard to come to work every day when you feel like nobody really likes you or your presence isn't appreciated. And especially with us dealing okay. with mental yeah. health, you okay, know... Yeah, I can appreciate that, yeah. From the mental health it's like saying hi, being friendly, you know, maybe working a shift or two with that person because you never know because you might... Pick up a shift with somebody that might that's newer, and then you realize, oh, they do have a lot of, or whatever. You find out things about somebody. Nah, nah I'm still gonna no, wait. but I think she's I'm still more. Gonna I'm gonna wait for somebody to take that um to take that leap and work with them, and then report back to me like, yo, are they, are they cool? <laughs> Because we always do that, but somebody has to be the one that breaks the ice. So I think it's one of those, like, if somebody new comes in, we don't know where this person came from. We don't know what experience you have or don't, and so it's one of those. I can't do it. I got PTSD from working with <laughs> new people for the first time and no one uh, no one knows how they work and being subjected to that. So I got put with somebody I never worked with before, and this was the absolute worst experience in my life. Like, I don't generally talk shit about people, right? But every opportunity I get, I talk shit about this person. Like, yo, you know, yo, look, God, yo, let me tell you about, you know, you know, I, I, I take the opportunity to talk shit because it was, it was so fucking bad. But then it goes both ways, though, because there's a lot of stuff that I'll tend to not even remember. And then I'll work with somebody that's newer, fresher out of school. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, I completely forgot to do that. Nah, nah, you know, nah. because it's one of those like you you want to make sure you hit those nah, marks. Was, and nah, then I'm just horrible. like, damn. Yeah, it's nah, been a minute horrible. since I've done that. I got, P- I got PTSD. Oh, OK. Got PTSD. So you're burnt out. You on that that line, but I get it. It comes on both ends, you know. It comes from like I don't like to work with people that you know make it a bitch fest for twelve hours, you know, or talk about themselves for twelve hours. So it's one of those like, uh, no, no, you um, know, no. It, there's that, and then there's the coworker who gets in, the partner for the day who gets in. It's like yeah, so you know how many people you fuck with the job, you know, you know, like oh you know so and so, I'm trying to smash, you know. You know, it's like, you know, like the whole sex life in like two hours. Like, yeah, so I think it's, it's like, just, you have to, you know, I think we all do that, though. We yeah. come in somewhere. No, no, We no, find I, the I people not, that we generally no, have better, not. more things in common I with. I work just one shift with you and find out what shit you like to put up your ass. Like, that's that's very that, true, too, so. <laughs> it's like, yo, some, some things you need to, like, keep to yourself, you know, or, like, wait until, like, you're really good partners with someone. Uh, yeah, that's very true. But yeah, I do I do appreciate it though because it really did bring me to light to like certain like the attitude that you have when you first like when you meet somebody that's coming into a job, you know, to I mean some people you just gel with, you know. Yeah, They're that's like, human it's nature. Like the stepbrothers mean like oh do we just become best friends? But I think we have to kind of like bring people into the family. And then after a while, if you make your, once people start making their way through, you know, then, so then that is more like a survivor is. type thing. Like 
we all but come together and then we just if you don't fit in we just vote us off the island no not you know what I'm well, saying because I'm people saying, ju- you give yourself a chance and then if they don't fit in you vote them off the island Wow, no, not quite. But you know, like well, I, I think we just no. That. I think we just well, honestly we need to be nicer to new people, the, to people that are coming in to this job. You know, and if it's somebody that doesn't have experience that wants to learn, take them under your wing and show them the ropes and get them and let them gain that experience. Because you might come in, you like when we came up here, people didn't know us, but we had a shit ton of experience. And then it's just like, oh, I didn't know that. But if somebody automatically had that attitude of like, oh, I'm not working with her because she's new, even though I've probably been an EMT longer than you fucking have, how would you ever know? You know, so I get that though, you know? But I also know when I come in new not to come in here with my hot-headed attitude like I run shit or I'm like the God's gift to earth to, to EMS for you and to keep my head down and to, to learn the operations of this particular place well, and then kind of build your way from there, you at know? At least if you're not like competent all the way, at least be somebody cool and nice to work with. Yeah, but you have to get like, to know the person first. So you, you have to be kind of, nice. Have to treat them like Lenny from my of my son, man. You know, like, good job, Lenny. <laughs> he's, like, he's like you gotta be like I got IV you're like yeah good, good job like, good job you got the IV buddy wow <laughs> but thank you D cause for shedding some light and I know we have people on the on the Facebook page that were talking about their experience and stuff so take it you know cause coming into a new field it's always tough you know so and I don't want to discourage people that really like it, that are excited about it, and then everybody treats you like shit because you're new, and then you end up leaving, and we potentially lose a really good employee or a future medic or whatever the case is because people have their personal whatever kind of attitudes about it. Because a lot of times uh, that comes from people just being shitty themselves. Well, you I would say my last point is that if you're going to be new, come more into like the urban EMS because... Mm. You know, pressure pressure busts pipes, but pressure makes diamonds too. So sometimes you forge relationships just by all the shit that you have to go through in urban EMS with running calls. If you go to like some place that's low volume, uh, a lot lower acuity, like out in the suburbs and stuff, that just gives people time to, to pick you to apart. Pick, because yeah, you know, to form better. their own opinions of you and rumors. You know, so and... if you come in, you confident, you know what the hell you're doing, do urban EMS first. Yeah. Um, show and prove. So that was my last point. Um, so on a on a more somber note, I guess. Somber? Is it somber? I thought somber. you were oh, kind of practically like doing cartwheels over there. I wasn't doing one. cartwheels, I'm still sad. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm leaving leaving my urban job. Like I'm not threatening anymore. I'm actually oh, leaving. I'm sorry, we don't have a sound effect for that. Ooh. Oh. Wait, that sound? Alright, let's go with that sound. Yeah, so I'm leaving leaving my urban job. Finally, I'm not threatening anymore. Um, you know, it was just it was just time to leave. Like it had changed from when I first came in. Um, when I first yes. came in, you know, I thought I was going to retire. You know, it was like God, so much you fun. know my EMS family, um, my EMS home, my first place that actually felt like an EMS home. You know, um, I got the best of all worlds. So I got high acuity calls. I got to stay busy during the night. And I got to work with, like, awesome, like, educated, awesome in the field paramedics, you know, who taught me some things, and hopefully I taught them some things. And um, and it was like a happy little dysfunctional family. We had our fuck-ups, <laughs> you know. But it was, it, was, it was a lovable family, you know. 
Um, but, you know, over time, especially after I got sick, it just, you know, it turned into a thing where working for that particular organization just wasn't conducive to, like, a happy mental place for me yeah. anymore. And eventually you get, you get tired of fighting. You get just like, I, need, I just need to move on to something that's going to provide a little bit more peace if, if the same amount of money. Yeah, I think a lot of people are starting to feel that way. You know, so, so I definitely have to give a shout out to everyone at um, the medical center. So, Chief, you know, uh, John, John Blodry, um, Lauren, I work with the medical center, and I still work with her one of my other jobs. Uh, let's see, who else? Miranda. Miranda, or... both Mirandas, both John and Juan. Um, Omar, Omar uh, Gonzalez, I, Gonzalez. I didn't get a chance to work with Martin Smith, but Martin Smith, you know, is an awesome paramedic. Well, Rossler, um, even Rossler, <laughs> <laughs> even Rossler, uh, who else? Uh, Munchkin. Hmm? Munchkin. Oh, oh. Yeah. and um, my, <laughs> my, little, my little beginning protege when she first started out, my little uh, angry little Munchkin, Jessica. Who's like, you know, she has a, she definitely has a sweet side, but she's like the angriest little person I've ever seen. And I always remember when I made, when I kind of made her dress up in the little contamination seat to go. <laughs> I got that picture, that was funny. To go, yeah, to go uh, check out her COVID patient and shit. Because I'm like, I'm not fitting in that shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, so it's just awesome stories from those two and a half years I worked there. And it was just, yeah. you know, it was amazing. You know, and I still remember every time I go into the city, I still remember the calls. I still remember the people. Um, the frequent flyers who sadly over the two years they started to die out. Um, it's just it, working in the city is just a different environment, and I and I love it the way you're able to talk to the people and converse with the people. I grew up in the city, and it's just a certain way you're able to talk with them, and a certain level of respect that you give and you're given yeah. that you don't necessarily get out in the suburbs. I'll say that. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, I'll definitely still see you guys around, but. Like I said, I had to move on for something that's better for me right now. Paramedic story time. Oh, uh, I guess <laughs> one of the last shifts I worked at um, the MC, there's this EMT who who actually turned out to be a good EMT. Okay, but he was a, he was a dude that was called new guy for like six months, the fucking new guy. <laughs> um, so he's actually a good EMT, but sometimes he he has like this moments where you're just like, what the fuck, right? And I just said, his last name Rios, right? <laughs> right, great EMT, but sometimes you just have these moments like, yo, what the fuck were you thinking? So we get this call for this unconscious, unresponsive dude, right? Um, I don't know who called, but somehow he ended up calling back himself once he came to and he was on the floor. So this guy was like a hoarder, right? So we couldn't get into the apartment. The uh, PD and fire had to come and we had to break down the door. This dude has, like, newspapers stacked in the skinny-ass hallway all the way down. And it's like a studio apartment. So he has, like, all his junk, right? So he's, like, a 300-pound dude who had got his uh, lower GI scope that day, right? So had the urge to go to the bathroom. Couldn't make it. Started dropping stools, like, all over the place. Like, turds are just all over the apartment floor. And he bled, like, all over the apartment floor. And he passed out. And he was ass naked. So we... They're we, always naked. Always naked. <laughs> it was like, I, I, 
I wasn't aware this many people sleep. Like, this is why they tell you wear clothes in case you have an emergency. You know? But he's passed out on the floor, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm not stepping in that shit. And, like, the smell, the smell is just, like, horrible. PD and Five, they just back up. They was like, yeah, let us know if you need this. You know? So we, we ended up, like, having to toss sheets down on the floor to step over the blood and shit. And I go assess him, and the dude is, like, barely hanging on, right? And I'm like, oh, man, we got to hurry up and get him out of here. And so, Rios comes in, like he doesn't want to talk, touch anything. He's like, Ugh. <laughs> and he like grabs a broom and he starts trying to sweep the turds. Like he starts trying to sweep the turds off the floor, and all he's doing is just smearing it all over the floor. And I can't believe like what I'm looking at. I'm standing there and I'm looking at. Him. I'm like, Yo, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know, and um, he's like, Oh, I just thought, like, thought what? <laughs> thought what? <laughs> You know, and I'm like, what the fuck, man? And um, and we ended up having like rollers guy right on the side to try to get um get him on a man stack to Reeves. And when he rolls back, the dude's dick like <laughs> the dude's dick like flops over and almost touches me on the arm. And I'm like, yo, I'm done. <laughs> that's it. I'm done. It's a wrap, you know. Like once you once you get touched by a dick, that's pretty much the end of the shit, right? <laughs> you know. And uh, we we toss like sheets on him. And my partner at the time thought he was like Superman. He was like, I'm like, yo, let fire help you. He was like, they're under pounds. He's like, nah, fuck that. I'm going to lift him by myself. And so he has him. He's struggling. I'm like, yeah, he's going to blow this fucking He's going to blow this fucking back. And I was like, yo, get ready to call another unit because he's going to blow this fucking back. And we struggled with this dude all the way down the hall. Us, fire, PD. Struggled with this dude all the way down. Uh, finally get him into the ambulance and it was like oh yeah that's right this dude's almost dead and shit like he bled like so much he's almost dead so we ended up um, you know popping IVs and um, you know gave him some fluids and we, he survived oh, but the, the thing I remember is real sweeping up shit real sweeping up shit like it was a, it was a surreal you ever have a moment in EMS where you're standing there and it's like you start to question like everything you've ever done in life and like like, this has got to be some surreal type of dream. That that was the moment I had because I'm standing there and, you know, he's, he has, like, his uh, uniform all pressed and shit always comes in real pressed down. And I'm just standing there and I just see him, like, sweeping shit just back and forth. Just smearing it. Just sweeping shit back and forth. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know, it, it, he would have, like, moments like that. But, he, I mean, he, once we got past that, he performed admirable. You know, you know, he played an important part in saving that guy's life. But he always has one of the, like one of those moments. Like he'll be sitting there <laughs> when he first started. Like he'll be sitting there typing into the computer. Like, uh, like, sir, what's your social security number? And the and the other three of us are looking at him like, yo, the, the motherfucker's unconscious. Yo, what the <laughs> like he's typing on the computer and like we're trying to save like this guy's life and shit and. I remember my one of my partners at the time just like took his hand and like slapped the computer out of his head. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, Which I, I guess you can't, you know, I guess you can't do that. I can't be doing that now. It's a nicer, calmer uh, workplace. Yeah, that that's toxic. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess that would be considered toxic. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's moments like that and stories like that I always remember. Yeah. Um, and, and EMTs and medics like that who always made it memorable. You know, no yeah. more, no more partying, no more yelling through the, 
do the speaker mic when we show oh, up. Oh, the fights behind. Like, it's just, there's just no so many. Thing. Yeah, no more Rocky thing. The Everybody meeting up at the hospital after, you know, the board filled up with calls. And no it's like your 11th no call and everybody just wants a funny moment to yeah. chill out for a second. And Absolutely. No more dirty jokes. Ah, we still get the dirty jokes. Ah, yeah, oh, man. Just, I, don't you know. Know. I don't know. I mean, the people they bring might end up being Nah, HR. you know, I think that that hasn't really changed. You just have to be more aware of your surroundings and who you say things around and stuff like that. But, you know, that's yeah. I think that's never going to change with EMS. It's just who anyway, we are. We're... You know, anyway, I'll, I'll miss you guys. I'll leave it at that. Um, so, we come to the end of the podcast, end of the episode 9. We got one more, episode 10. Yeah. For the first season, before we try to, I guess, make this like a real thing and try to get it out there. So yeah. So this first season was just to see if people actually enjoyed the podcast. So if you did, please let us know. Oh, uh, and then um, also, no, be, also on, um, um, what? Oh, it's in the top. No, um, so one of our coworkers, Negron, his sister-in-law, I think it's probably been a week or two, has passed away from COVID. She had three small children, one I think that's still in the, um, in the NICU. So I know he's posting a bunch of stuff on his page. So if you see him, just, you know, send us your condolences. And I think they have a GoFundMe page. And, you know, we all have to take care of ourselves and each other. So if you can donate, it's the holiday season. It's a rough thing for the family to have to deal with. So whatever way you can help, I guess you can reach out to him through Facebook or if you see him in person. So I just... I wanted to, you know, send you our condolences. Absolutely. Um, like I always say, I mean, we got to take care of each other because no one else will. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, so definitely um, go find me to support the little kids, especially the one that's still in the NICU. Um, and it's been awesome. So we got, what, one more episode? Episode 10 will just be a Never Have I Ever... Yeah, we're gonna get five, fucked five up. So we're gonna drink. <clears throat> gonna be drinking what? Captain Morgan's spice rum. I don't know. Maybe some no, I'm, to... I'm drinking Captain Morgan spice rum because it's one of the only liquors I can drink straight. Oh, we're gonna have a fun night. We're gonna do a little quick Christmas, and then we're gonna do the Never Have I Ever. And you guys are more than welcome to chime in on Facebook or IG with yeah, your Never Ever IG questions. And Facebook Fat Medic Podcast. If you want to leave any questions. And uh, so we want to also uh, thank Dee uh, once again, yeah. her honest, straightforward opinion. And, um, you know, we'll see you for one more episode in the first season. And uh, as always, thank you for listening. And stay safe.